Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey guys, on today's episode, we have two very special guests. First, guitarist Steve Brown, who just finished playing some shows with Def Leppard. And then we're going to hear from Paolo Gregoletto, who is the bassist from Trivium a band that's going to be playing this year's Heavy Montreal. All right, here we go. Coors Light presents Heavy Montreal, July 28th and 29th, outdoors at Parc Jean Drapeau, featuring Avenged Sevenfold, Rob Zombie, and Marilyn Manson. A weekend of hard rock and metal with Gojira, Emperor, Under Oath, Hollywood Undead, and many more. Festival passes are on sale now. See the full lineup at heavymontreal.com. Produced by Avenco. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
All right, a little classic Trickster right here on Talking Metal. And today's guest, Steve Brown from Trickster. Mitch LaFon and myself hooked up with him at the M3 Festival about a month ago. But before we get into the interview with Steve Brown that Mitch LaFon and I did, let's talk to Steve Brown. Steve, how are you? I'm doing good, man. It's great to see you. Here we are in Rochelle Park, New Jersey, getting ready for my uh, rock show. (laughs) Absolutely. Steve Brown in the fallout is playing tonight at 201. We are here at the club. (laughs) And and it's it's amazing because we did this interview with you, which we're about to hear uh, just almost exactly a month ago. And when you did the interview with us, it sounded like... I think we actually ask you, like, you're like, oh, I'm not going out on the road with Def Leppard this time. Everything's cool. And here we are one month later. You were out on the road. I saw pictures of you at, what, Hershey Park in front of, yes. like, 30,000 yes. people or yeah. something. I mean, yeah, I love that. Yes. So, so how did this all come about? Just a recap before we get into the yeah. actual interview that yeah, we did with recap. you at M3. Wow, what a week. And thank you guys, as always, for all your support and oh, you everybody bet. out there listening. It's been an incredible two weeks and uh, uh, it started out uh, I believe it was Wednesday May 23rd I woke up in the morning I get up very early during the week I have a five-year-old and okay and an 18 year old wow okay. and my wife and I are having coffee and all of a sudden at 730 in the morning my phone starts blowing up wow and it's Def Leppard's manager there was a family emergency Phil Collin had uh, something that he had to tend to, and they yeah. basically said to me, Steve, can you be in Albany in three hours? Wow. And I said, I think I can. Let me make some phone calls. And I uh, packed up all my gear, my stage clothes. Right. I always have I always have my stage clothes, right. my suitcase, yeah. and guitars ready to go. Wow. Wow. And uh, lo and behold, three hours later, I was up in Albany. And it uh, turned out Phil had to fly home for uh, a family emergency. And uh, I was summoned to fill in for my very dear friend, my brother, Phil Collin, in Def Leppard for, right. uh, for a couple shows. And we didn't wow. know how long it was going to be. So. so last time you filled in for Vivian. Yes. So did you have to be like, okay, I'm going to be doing different parts this time? And, oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, had you already been prepared to fill in for for Phil, or were you more always kind of expecting no, Vivian? This, this was, you know, with the Vivian, when I filled in for Vivian starting in 2013, I was very prepared, and that was done way in advance as far as I had all the material that I needed to learn the Def right. Leppard catalog. Yeah. And so there was a lot of, but this was none of that. Luckily, um, luckily I, all I can say is that Def being... Def Leppard is one of my favorite bands, and that's yeah, the too. key here. That there, I know their material. It's in my DNA, right. like Van Halen, like Bon Jovi. That material is in my blood. I know those songs, as Joe Elliott once said. He knows these songs better than we do. Right. You yep. know, I know all the Mutlang parts, and, yeah. and 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 you know, and every time I do a recording session, Def Leppard is the benchmark for you know what I reference to. So yeah. But with that being said, it was kind of a, a holy shit moment to where now I have to completely change, go to the other side of my brain, and right. oh, I got to play not only you know different rhythm parts, but all the iconic lead parts, and luckily, yeah. luckily. 
that I play in certain bands. My my 80s band, Rubik's Cube. We yeah. play Photograph, Rock of Ages, Pour Some Sugar on Me. Right. So I had the you major that, hits yeah. covered, yeah. you know, and stuff like that, and doing Rock of Ages on Broadway, of course. You know, yeah. so that prepared me in the sense that I already had those down, but then it was a matter of because of the way Def Leppard structures the vocals, yeah. learning, being able to go, okay, I got to do Phil's part now on the vocals as opposed to Vivian's. Completely different thing, but you know, luckily uh, it's not my first rodeo, let's just yeah, say, and yeah, I'm right. kind of used to this sort of pressure. Right on. And, uh, you know, here we are. I did. Right, right. No, it's awesome. And, and so, so you you do these string of shows with Def Leppard filling in for Phil, and then you're right back to your music here back in New Jersey. Yeah, you did a gig with like uh, Rubik's Cube, like like yeah, the, the yeah. day after I got home. So yeah, I did well. So the story goes, then afterwards, you know, we did the sh we did the first show was Hershey. So right. I got out to Albany. And then I got on, Phil flew home and I got on Phil's bus. And what's even crazier is Phil's bus driver was my bus driver back in the Trickster days. Wow, wow. He drove our bus, Hollywood right. Steve Decker. Okay. So it was a homecoming, you know, and all these guys, the Def Leppard's crew, their bus drivers, they're all dear friends of mine. Sure. You know, guys that I've known for 30 years. And then throw into the mix that Journey's on the bill as well. Yes. So Journey's tour manager, Scotty Ross, is a very dear friend who was Poison's tour manager. Okay. Just an incredible group of people. And um, so we did the Hershey show and uh, had a little, had a day off before that. And that was me, 12 hours in my hotel room right. and Joe's hotel room. And Joe, Vivian, and I did a quiet rehearsal together and right. pretty much nailed it, you right, know, and, cool. and had everything together. And the first show was Hershey, 27,000 people. Wow. Hershey Park Stadium. I saw the so, pictures. I couldn't believe it. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, like I was saying, I told you before that, you know, Def Leppard has a has a funny way of breaking me in. Yeah. You know, the first shows I the first show I did with them back in 2014 was Wembley right. Stadium, the NFL thing. Oh 90,000 yeah. people. And then this one, you know, 27,000 people, yeah. Hershey Park Stadium. So I'm kind of used to the pressure cooker that they put me in. Yeah. And uh, I'm, all, I'm all for it. I, I've got pretty thick skin. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was pretty incredible. Backstage after the first show, I see Neil Sean, who's an old friend of mine, you know. Right. And Neil goes, you know, they knew what was going on. And Neil goes, man, I can't, th I don't know of any guitar player who's done what you've done. Fill in for both guitar players right. in a major band before and I was like wow Neil thanks you know and I'm like sitting there going holy shit Neil Sean Neil, I mean I've known Sean, Neil yeah. for 30 years yeah. we were label mates back when he was in Hardline right, and MCA right, right. Records we did some gigs together but still Neil Sean yeah. man fucking Neil Sean going and he goes man that's gonna look great on your resume I go no what's gonna look great on my resume is you giving me that quote right, you right. saying that right so man yeah. yeah but yeah I'm a very I'm a very awesome. lucky guy and yeah here we are so we did Hershey Park Stadium, then we went to Buffalo, did Buffalo, the where the Sabres play, 13,000 yeah. people, nice. had a day off in Cleveland, stayed at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, nice. hung out with Jonathan Kane and the Journey guys, right. and then played uh, the Cavalier, the Cleveland Arena where the nice. Cavaliers played. And, I, and I'm, I'm regretting I, that I didn't ask the backstage security where LeBron James's locker was because uh, I wanted to get a picture. There you go. You know, and... and I'm I'm so happy Phil's back in the band and and you know Def Leppard uh, is is uh, is is out there doing their thing, 
but I was kind of secretly hoping I'd, you know, because I've seen Def Leppard many, many, many times. I was kind of secretly hoping next week I'd be able to see you on stage with them. But well, yeah, but you know, thank uh, God, yeah. honestly, thank God, Phil's back and yeah, everything's absolutely, okay. Absolutely. You know, that's my brother and those guys. All I can say about Def Leppard, they are a thousand percent class act. Right. All yep. the guys in the band and and you know they treat me like family. That's so Joe awesome. Joe Elliott's one of my best friends now. I love that guy. Sav, Rick, Vivian, they're all amazing and we just had so much fun together. That's you know, so we have cool. the same kind of twisted sense of humor, which is really nice. Awesome. Cool. And we're going to do a weird thing right now. We're going to go from one interview with Steve Brown into another. This is uh, recorded May 5th, 2018 at the M3 Festival in uh, where is it? Columbia, Columbia Maryland. Columbia, Maryland. Yeah. Meriwether Post Pavilion. They're yep. n- re- newly renovated, which I'm very impressed with. That was that was a lot of fun. That was a great, great two-day event for us. And uh, you were there just hanging out, enjoying the I music, I was there right? because I was playing the, the, at that night. I was playing with Rubik's Cube right okay. down the street. Oh, wow. Cool, cool. Just worked out. It was great to see you guys. And Mitch, Mitch, I know you're not here, but we love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we miss Mitch. Definitely. Cool. And here we go. This is an interview that Mitch LaFon and Mark Striegel, that's me, did uh, exactly about a month ago in uh, in Maryland with Steve Brown before the Def Leppard uh, stuff kicked in. So <laughs> Thanks, we, guys. Yeah, 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 enjoy. As always, thank you, Steve. Check, check, check. Check one. Hey, it's Mark Striegel along with Mitch LaFon at the 10th anniversary of M3. And we've run into backstage here. The one and only Steve Brown. Steve, the last time I saw you was at an ace show in uh, Englewood. Right. Here we are at an, at, a, yeah, at an ace show in Maryland. Yeah, fantastic. Here we are, the 10-year anniversary of the M3 yeah. Festival. It's a delinquent high school reunion for me, seeing all these guys in the bands. And, you know, Robert Mason's here, the Warrant guys, Sebastian Bach, Ace Freely, uh, the Night Ranger Cats, and uh, my, my good friend Ted Poley's even here. I don't yeah. know why he's here, but I he's here. I ran into Ted before. Yeah. yeah. Now, you're not playing today, but how many times have you played the M3 Festival? Uh, Trickster, I think we've done M3 three times, okay. if my memory serves me correct. Correct. But, yeah, I think it's three times. Talk to me about the importance of a festival like M3 for the rock scene, for a band like Trickster, for the and just music in general. It's huge. I mean, you know, this festival, um, Eric Baker, the guy who started it, funny story, was, uh, was our... Back in the day, 1990, the MCA rep for Trickster in Boston, the Boston area, the uh, I guess they call that the New England area. So he's been, we have a lot of history together. He's a Jersey guy. So, you know, this festival, along with the other ones that focus on, you know, the hard rock bands that we all, you know, know and love, um, are so important because it gets all of us, all of these bands to play in front of a lot of people where when we do one-offs, you know, we all know what that's like. Sometimes it's, there's not a lot of people there. So the festivals, and it's a great way to get everybody together, you know, especially the camaraderie of all the bands and, you know, and celebrating, you know, the, what I think is the best music ever made. Well, certainly funnest because when you look out in the audience... There's nobody staring at their shoes. There's just uh, people having a great time. And I don't see that at some of the other festivals. There's just a lot of, uh, yeah. And here we're not getting that. Now, you have three projects, of course, Trickster, Tokyo Motor Fist, mm-hmm. and the stuff with Eric Martin. What is sort of next on the slate? Where are we go? Is it Trickster first or? Um, yeah, the Trickster thing, we're kind of on a little hiatus right now. Um, 
not really don't need to really elaborate on that we're having to be honest with you we're having some internal issues so we're dealing with that and uh so that's a non-story at the moment but you know i I play with danger danger as well you know i'll be doing i guess i'll be doing the cruise with them in 2019 but yeah eric martin pj and i play with eric martin we have this thing eric martin and tricksters we actually changed the name it's it's trickster featuring eric martin now (laughs) which is great which is great yeah and eric's been you know eric's a brother he's been a friend of ours for you know we met eric back in 1991 on the on the trickster warrant tour and uh he's been you know he's he's one of us as we say we have the saying PJ and I you know we meet people and you know you, you meet certain guys and bands and gun he's not one of us right you meet other people he's one of us Eric is one of us so he's like a brother and we've been having such a such a great time playing with him will it lead to an album we're hoping you know you'd have to ask Eric you know I mean PJ and I are definitely um I'm back writing after a little bit of a hiatus, you know. Over the last couple, over the last eight years, I've put out three full-length records, the two Trickster records, New Audio Machine, Human Era, and the Tokyo Motor Fist record. So right. I'm kind great. of... Oh, thank you, man. But yeah, I'm kind of, you know, after that, it was like, and then in between all the other bands that I play with, you know, I'm, you know, I guess I'm the gun for hire. So right. playing in 10 different bands, learning the Danger Danger set, learning... Dennis D. Young set, learning Rock of Ages on Broadway. So, and but, of course the Def Leppard stuff. You oh to learn oh oh, and those guys, yeah. Yes, they they are heading out on tour. I'm I'm going to see them in Newark, in New yeah. Jersey. And, uh, Can I have tickets? Like, that the what, like fifteen <laughs> days. And uh, are you going to be going out with them this time around, or as of now, I, I don't think so. You know, I saw Viv before Vivian, um, who's you know a very good friend of mine, and you know I toured with those guys for the last five years. I've been you know filling in and doing whatever needs to be done with the band, and but Viv, I think, is doing you know phenomenal with his uh, you know with his treatment and his cancer. So I don't know, but anything can happen, right. you know, and and. Uh, you know, those guys have become, you know, dear friends of mine besides, you know, Phil Collin and to get into the story how I got the Def Leppard gig, Phil Collin has been a, like a brother to me for 30 years. You know, I met those guys on the Hysteria Tour. I was 17 years old. And um, right when Trickster started really gaining steam um, and their manager at the time was this guy, Peter Minch. Q Prime, who manages Metallica, he's, 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 he's quite a powerful man in the music business, but he was the guy who helped Trickster out, so of course, you know, it was like, I spent my senior prom with Def Leppard, I didn't right. go to my senior prom, I went to hang out with Def Leppard at the Capitol Theater in Pasek, New wow, Jersey, man. and uh, so Phil and I just immediately hit it off, and you know, guitar geeks, and playing, and you know, I would go to his place in, in, uh, in New York, and you know, when, when, uh, when he found out he was going to be a dad for the first time, he, he called me and said, oh, Steve, I want to be a dad. And, you know, we've maintained that relationship for, you know, 30 plus years. So and, you weren't uh, just some guy they randomly called. No, no, yeah, you, no. A very but, long history of these guys. Yeah, a long, long history. You know, as Joe, you know, as Joe said, you know, oh, Steve, we've known you longer than we've known Vivian. You know, so it's, you know, there, there's history there and family and those guys are like that. They're, they're like that. But, um, you know, the uh, the cool part about the Def Leppard thing was I did a show with Phil years ago. I did the Fox News, the Huckabee show. Mike Huckabee oh, had a show on Fox. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and he played because he plays bass. bass. Yeah, yeah. So Phil called me up, you know, would you would you play it with me? We're going to do this. It's going to be fun. And yeah, it was great, you know. 
And then we did it, and that was the first time Phil and I actually ever played together in public. He jammed with Trickster back in the day, but it was the first time we ever like did anything where he could hear my voice. And the biggest thing with Def Leppard is the vocals, you know, and it, the Mutt Lang, you know, step inside, walk this way. There's not many people that can sing like that. Right, right. And Phil knew immediately, um, when we did, after we did that show, he was like, Steve, you, you know, I'm amazed at how great our vocals blended and, you know, everything, the guitar playing, the two of us being able to work off each other. So when, you know, unfortunately when Vivian got diagnosed with cancer, you know, they were doing the Vegas residency and um, I get a phone call. Phil calls me and says, you know, this is what's going on and, you know, you're the guy. You know, because they'd known me, their old tour manager, Malvin, you know, they were like Phil and Malvin were, you know, this is the guy. And uh, it worked out. And, uh, you know, needless to say, it was like, you know, I tell everybody this story. When I was 12 years old and I had pyromania, I hold it up. And, you know, the first show I did with Def Leppard, I go, man, not only am I, you know, I'm playing photograph not on my turntable right. in Paramus, New Jersey, in my mom and dad's house. I'm playing photograph with fucking Def Leppard. Yeah. You know, and it was surreal. And, uh, but uh, there was a lot of, you know, preparation for it. I toured with them. I was on the road with them for a couple of weeks on the Kiss and Def Leppard tour in 2014. Mm -hmm. And I would do sound checks. I heard one them. of them in Sar uh, Saratoga Springs. Oh, that was, yeah, that's a great story. That was yeah. my first, so this, another, you know, total geek moment. Kiss and Van Halen were the first two bands that got me inspired as a little kid in 1978. That's why I started playing guitar. So my first sound check with, uh, with Def Leppard, uh, you know, we do Hysteria. That's the sound I, check I remember. Song, right? Do it. I look over my shoulder. There's fucking Paul Stanley and Eric Singer sitting there like this. With a big shit-eating grin, because they knew. And yeah. Paul, you know, I toured with Kiss in 1992 on the Revenge tour, and Paul's a, you know, a dear friend, Eric Singer. You know, he's another, he's another brother. You know, like I say, he's one of us. And uh, so, the, yeah, that was that was very, very heavy, heavy moment. Like, holy shit, I'm playing fucking my first sound check, official sound check with Def Leppard, and I look over my shoulder. There's Paul Stanley standing there. So, it's, yeah. But yeah, I came through with flying colors. So. Yeah, it turned out great. <laughs> it did. Dream yeah. come true. And I'll just uh, finish with this. We have, of course, M3. We have Ace Fraley tonight. Yeah. Just tell me about Ace. Obviously, you must have been influenced, as you just mentioned, right? What What is it about Ace? Well, Ace, I mean, uh, you know, again, another guy. You know, I hate to say it. I always say this, and uh, like, it drives me nuts. But, you know, a friend. For I've known Ace for 30 years through Eddie Trunk. You know, a very dear friend and great guy. And, of course, we all know about his trials and tribulations. And, you know, but as a kid, I had his poster on my wall. My life was Kiss. My third grade report card, the teacher wrote to my mom and dad, Stephen seems to be more interested in Kiss than his schoolwork. And it was true. And uh, Well, so was I. <laughs> luckily, it paid off for me. But I was more interested in Kiss than your schoolwork, yeah, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but Ace is, you know, phenomenal and just such a great guy. We have so much fun. And uh, the songs, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I guess Ace gets overlooked as a songwriter like George right. Harrison did as well. You know, some of his songs are phenomenal, especially the solo album. I mean, I love his solo album, like album, Beyond Belief. Yeah. 
and uh, you know it's great to see him in a in a great place now. And you know his band is phenomenal. You know Scott on drums and you know Richie Scarlett. You know these guys are all you know old friends of mine. So it's it's really great. At the M3 Festival, it's great to see all of us that are still here. And you know, granted, we miss you know certain people that aren't here, but to see everybody and celebrating, and that's what this is all about: celebrating this great music and the camaraderie. Because we all, you know, we all had too much fun, as I like to say, back in the day. And we all have the stories where we don't even have to talk. I see the guys in Warrant, and we just look at each other and just start laughing. It's like 1991 all over again. We don't have to talk right. because we lived it. We lived together and, you know, through the greatest times and, again, through bad times and sad things that have happened. And, you yeah. know, so grateful. Steve, always, always, always a pleasure. Great, Thank you. Great place to end it. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Society. Not killing if they live or die. Crash
All right. A big thanks to Steve Brown for joining us here for kind of a two-part interview. The first part was recorded just uh, about a week and a half ago here in New Jersey, right before his show. And where where was that club? I can't remember. It was like up by Paramus or some somewhere up there, uh, Bergen County somewhere, right? Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> and, I love New Jersey. And this is coming from a girl that grew up in the Midwest, so I never quite get tired of it. And uh, we just saw Def Leppard in Newark, by the way. Awesome, as always. And yeah, wow, Steve got to play uh, more shows for them, as he explained to us, this time filling in for not Vivian, but but Phil. So very cool. And what a great guy Steve is. So the second part of that interview, obviously, was from the M3 Festival before he did the, the Def Leppard gigs. So I hope uh, you could kind of follow along with uh, what was going on there. And the song we just heard, by the way, was Crash That Party. That's a 2015 Trickster song featuring Steve Brown. It sounds like Trickster has some stuff they need to, to work out before we're going to hear from them again. So that was kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, a big thanks to Steve Brown. Oh, and by the way, that first song we heard going into the interview at the top of the show there was Bad Girl from Trickster. That's going way back to the first self-titled record by Trickster, which reached number 28 on the Billboard album charts way back in 1990. So on that note, Emily, we're getting into your interview that you did with Paolo from Trivium. Yes. He's the bassist. Super cool dude. Yeah, and we saw them at the Rock and Derby up in Albany, New York, uh, maybe like two years ago. And That this, was fun. Yeah, that was a fun show. And, and Avatar played with them at that show, who they're going out and tour with, right? Yes, and we interviewed him at that show, which I didn't even mention Apollo, but yeah. Yeah, well, we interviewed the guitarist of Trivium that day and also Avatar. And that was, wow, that was a fun event. I wasn't with Trivium. You must have been with them. I yeah, wasn't with I inter- them. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we kind of split off that day, I think. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And I tell you, so many fun festivals. M3, where I did the interview, at least the second half of the interview with Steve Brown earlier in this episode. And now we are gearing up for heavy Montreal the end of July in Montreal, Maryland. I can't Manson, wait to get Rob back Zombie, up there. <laughs> Avenged Sevenfold, Sleep. I'm excited to see Sleep. Doom, Doom Rock that my friend Leo in Alaska turned me on to. And by the way, Leo, I got the care package you sent down. All I can say is, wow. Dude. I, I've been listening to it on my way to work. You typed out all the songs. Uh, and we're going to talk further about that on another episode. But I just so wanted to say cool. thank you. So cool. And I can't wait. I mean, heavy Montreal, I have to say my, my memories of that weekend, the last time we were there are so amazing. And, and Paulo totally reflected exactly my feelings, which, which are, it's the best North American festival there is. I mean, just the facilities and like, we kept on talking about the catering. Do you remember where I kept on running up to that stand and buying those little, um, um, dumplings? <laughs> Yeah, sort of. I do. I vaguely remember that. Definitely. We talk, Me and Paula were talking about the dumplings backstage and the backstage area, like the, the, these great couches. It was all very conducive to socializing and, and being with your other musician folk. It was cool. It's not like you're all like trapped in different little trailers. It was right. very, um, it was 
it was, I don't know, it felt like a commune. It was very cool. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, heavy Montreal, so many great bands. Warbringer is going to be there, who have a long history with Talking Metal. And, uh, oh, I can't wait to see Power Trip. I mean, they're going to be... So fun. Yeah, so great. I've been dying to see them. Yeah, so so many great bands. I mean, there's literally dozens and dozens of bands. We will have them all listed in today's show notes on talkingmetal.com and uh, Trivium is one of those bands. So let's uh, let's right now get into this interview that Emily conducted with Paolo of Trivium. But before we do that, let's check out a little Trivium. This is The Heart from Your Hate. And this is new Trivium released in late 2017 here on Talking Metal. Maybe 
Talking Metal listeners, Emily Striegel with you here today, and I'd like to welcome to the podcast bassist from Trivium, Mr. Paolo Gregoletto. How are you doing, Paolo? I'm doing very well today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for taking some time out of your day today. So after a very long winter, I'm happy that concert and festival season is upon us again, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you play with Trivium on July 29th at Heavy Montreal in Canada. You guys are playing the second day of the festival along with Avenged Sevenfold and Gojira and Sleep. Uh, Voivod's playing, Warbringer, and a bunch of other great bands. Uh, tell me, have you played Heavy Montreal before? Yeah, we played it a few times. Um, it's got to be probably, I'd say, the best festival in North America. Like, it's always a great lineup. And just from our perspective playing it, it's like one of the best festivals. Just everything is top notch, great location. Montreal is one of the best cities. North America, especially for metal music, uh, we're super stoked to be doing it again. And that's a great day. Like the bill stack. Yeah, it is. It's going to be so much fun. We uh, talking metal. We did some coverage. I guess at this point it was three years ago. I can't remember. Um, and what what a cool venue! Like, do you remember the the backstage area with like the they had like a chocolate fountain and like you know hot tubs and stuff? <laughs> it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's like next level. I mean, I don't know. Like it's. Uh, if you're on tour and you roll into a festival that's like all that kind of stuff there, it's just like makes the day so much nicer. Right. And we're all like super, super into like our food and stuff. And the people that cater it, if it's still the same people is like, yes, it's the best. Totally. (laughs) I I still dream about these like, uh, dumplings they had a few years ago yeah, like <laughs> it's crazy crazy good yum so if, if you come to heavy montreal look out for the the delicious dumplings hopefully they'll, they'll oh, yeah. be back there again um oh yeah <laughs> cool so your your latest album the sin and the sentence is now about eight months old now that you've had some time yep. to live with it how do you feel it stands up to all the other albums you guys have done Whew. um I mean, right away, we felt really proud of this record. The reception was like 99.9% positive right out of the gate, which is like, that's pretty, it's pretty solid, you know, when you have a record come out and you have like over half the people like really liking it and then some people not sure and some people, you know, aren't feeling it. And this one, it just felt like most people were into it and we felt great about it. And when we started playing songs from the, the record on the first tour it was like we weren't playing enough new stuff people were like no you gotta play this song you gotta play that song so we slowly but surely added a lot more new stuff into the set you know that makes us feel great but we put a lot of time and effort into it we had a lot of uh talks about what we wanted to do what we wanted this record to be for us and we just went to work and we put a lot of effort into it and you know eight months in it feels good it feels like you know, it still feels like there's a lot of life left in the record for touring and it just feels fun to play still. You know, I can still throw the record on and listen to it. And so that, for me, that says a lot when I'm not even burnt out listening to the actual CD. But sometimes like you'll play, you'll do a record and you just won't want to hear a couple songs for a while. or won't want to play them for a while. And we haven't felt like that yet with this one. That's awesome. And you guys have some good momentum going. I know you've been on the road 
Um, but you have a little break right now, or are you diving right into the summer yeah. festivals? Little break, right? No, we actually have a break from the European summer festivals, which I think timed out nicely because we did a headliner in Europe, and then we went right into the spring festivals in the States. And that was like 10 and a half, 11 weeks of touring. And by the end of that, I think everyone was like definitely needing a solid break. And right now, everyone's just kind of enjoying the downtime and however everyone enjoys it and recuperating. And we're going to be back out. I think it's almost four weeks when we till we start. So be ready to play some shows by then. I I don't like to be off too long, but I definitely feel like I needed it. And it's been nice to relax and just not have to worry about anything. Nice. And to spend time with that cat of yours that I see on Instagram oh, all the yeah. time. <laughs> What's yeah, your... he's a, his name is Mr. Brown. Oh, and he's, so he's very, very popular <laughs> among Trivium fans. And I think actually I have a lot of people that follow me just for the cat. So, Seriously, you, you do know, such I, a good I, job. I don't, have any way, <laughs> I don't have any way of knowing what the, the true fan base split is <laughs> for people that are just there for the cat and for me, so... Seriously, you have some I, good I like captures if there. Had, <laughs> if I would have just made a page for him, I feel like I would have had like a few hundred thousand people by now. So maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what I should. I went. I did the wrong thing. I I made a page for myself, and it should have been for the cat. I know, Mister Brown. It, but a lot of yeah. it's the way you photograph. I mean, he is he as grouchy as he appears? Uh no, he's like <laughs> he just doesn't like when the phones in his face i think that's why he looks grouchy but he's like very um he's got a lot of personality and sometimes cats like you know their face doesn't really change but he his like personality and his facial features like change when he's mad or he's happy so like he doesn't normally always look like that but like i feel like when he sees the phone he gets pissed so yeah, so all you all you Trivium Insta uh, you know Insta people that follow Trivium, you gotta follow Paulo too, just for even just for the cat. You've got a oh, lot yeah. of other interesting posts too. So jumping back into albums, yeah. do you have a favorite? Um, th- like, give me your top three albums. Is that even possible of Trivium? Of of Trivium? Yeah. Um. Hmm. It is kind of tough. I mean, I'm definitely gonna put. Finn in the sentence in the top three, no particular order, but uh, I would put that one in because I feel like we really kind of, you know, nailed exactly what we were doing. It feels like a cohesive record. Love the sound. People have really received it well. I would put Ascendancy in there because I feel like it did the same. It was like kind of our big debut, mm-hmm. although technically not the first Trivium record, but the debut with Roadrunner. And then... For a third, I mean, it's kind of kind of tricky. Uh, it's going to be the 10th anniversary of our album Shogun. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a toss-up between Shogun and In Waves. I mean, I love both those records, and I, there's things I like about each of them. But, um, I mean, if I guess I had to pick, I'd probably go with Shogun on a, on a, as a full album. But, I mean, there's songs on In Waves, like the title track, that I feel like are you know, some of the, it's like one of the best live songs we have. So it's always kind of tricky. Yeah. I feel like we're in a good spot because there's a lot of songs I like, we always want to play and we've made the set to the point now where it's like 90 minutes to a hundred minutes and we still don't play 
everything we want to play or everything that fans want to hear. So we're in like a, we have that good problem. That is a good problem. Good music. Totally. That's a great problem to have. And you guys, I mean, it's like you're one of those bands that stay really busy with recording, <clears throat> not just touring. You guys work hard and you're, you know, you're, you're yeah. putting out a new album every year or two. So are you already thinking about a new studio album or is it really just the focus is on summer tour and then the, the fall tour you have coming up with Avatar, which we'll talk about in a minute? Yeah. Uh, we don't really have like any solid plans. I mean, we're always like thinking about what the next step is. And of course, like the next step after this is to do another record, but there's a lot of places to tour. So I think mostly there's no like set time we're going to record yet. I feel like if we did anything, it'd be like, we, we had a little extra time, maybe start jamming a little bit and, right, you know, throwing some ideas together. But I feel like that is kind of like at this point, not a focus yet, but I could see maybe, you know, maybe when we get a year out from this last record, we'll start thinking about like actually setting aside some time for some writing. Um, we're always about being like ahead of the curve and, you know, we kind of learned early on that the more time you put into rehearsing and writing as a band, the better you're, you're never gonna have as much time as you think you need. And so I think it's going to be, you know, first we'll get in, see what we have kind of talk about what we want to do. That's kind of like a big thing, you know, just knowing what you actually want the record to be. Totally. You know, sometimes having just like a, a vision or an idea or like just a, you know, something to sum up what you're going after kind of saves you a lot of time instead of just, uh, you know, trying everything and not really getting anywhere. Absolutely. And I know you're after the, the summer stuff, uh, you guys, I saw that you have a fall tour, as I said before, playing mm-hmm. with Avatar. Have you guys played with them before? Because to me, you guys, you know, you're a bit different, you know, musically and yeah. obviously visually. They've got a very theatrical element, you know. Do you yeah. think you share a lot of the same fan base? And ha- have you played with them before? Yeah, uh, we've played with them on some festivals. We've met them. I believe we've met some of them. Um I think the thing with Avatar is like we kind of realized we had a, a little bit of a crossover. Uh, I think it's because we've done a lot of the festivals together and you kind of like start seeing one good way for us to know like what bands our fans are listening to is just seeing shirts that they wear. And <laughs> you definitely can see quite a few Avatar shirts kind of like popping up at Trivium shows and, you know, seeing like Trivium fans at Avatar shows or, you know, kind of, people that go to both of those things. And I also think too, you know, talking to our booking agents and, you know, seeing what promoters felt like people were really excited about the idea of us pairing up. And I just think it's like when you kind of do similar festivals and you're playing to a similar crowd, like you don't necessarily have to be the exact same type of band. I I feel like we're a band that's like hard to always put exactly with like the exact kind of band. There's not really... I don't know. There's not a lot of bands. Maybe 10 years ago, there was more bands kind of doing similar stuff to what we did. But like now it's like, okay, we're kind of on our own. Let's find other bands doing cool stuff, pair it together. Uh, we really lucked out getting Light the Torch um, with their new record coming out. It's awesome. Howard Jones uh, singing. It's, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where we had the opportunity to put together a lineup like this. And we all did our best to make it happen and we're super stoked 
And so far, like just in the first weekend, it's already selling great. And we're excited. You know, it's going to be a, a fun celebration of pretty much a full year since the record came out. Our first real headline tour in North America, in Canada, since probably, oof, I don't know, a while, 2009. I mean, the last tour was with our Genemy co-headlining, but uh, this is a longer set for us, bigger production. We're really excited for it. That's so exciting. And I don't know if you've met the guys from Avatar. I've interviewed them before at a festival. They're mm-hmm. they're so nice. So I think you guys will yeah. get on really, really well. So that's exciting. Everyone definitely go check that out. So um Yeah, we're really stoked. Cool. Uh I know you used to play BC Rich Bases, but I was I was creeping mm-hmm. on your Instagram earlier and I didn't see that very recognizable BC Rich headstock yeah. anywhere. So tell me what you're playing nowadays. Uh, I've been playing Warwick for about coming up on three years, maybe. Um, they were one of the companies I looked at after I realized I was going to move on from BC Rich. And they were just like, not only, you know, one of the best quality bases you can get, but the company itself was really, uh, really like artist friendly. And it's a family run company. And it's like getting the best of being with this really legit high-end bass company, but it's also very like intimate, knows like the artist, very much about um, taking care of artists on tour, also off tour and things like NAM. And they have this big convention thing they do at their bass factory. It's really awesome. They like fly in like a lot of their top artists, you know, all of, from all over the world to just hang out, play bass drink and nice. have a good time and uh you can't top that I, I feel like they kind of sold it pretty well so i've been stoked i've been playing this stuff for three years and you know it's probably some of the best sounding live uh bass tones i've had finally got to use it on a record this last record I'm really stoked with it can't wait to do it again i feel like the next record yeah can even get further with the bass tone so I'm super stoked just thinking about that already. Very cool and a very a, a nice looking bass too. Really beautiful looking mm. instrument. So that's really cool. awesome. So I know you were on the cover of Bass Player magazine recently, right? Mm. Yeah. Did I see that? And they, you know they always cover a wide array of bassist stylistically. So who are some of your favorite bass players who are not in the metal genre? Hmm. Um. I mean. For me, like, you know, I love a lot of, like, funk and Motown. And, I mean, bass is it's just so many good players. Like, I, like for me, I have to almost, like, name genres because it's, like, you just, like I said, Motown. And you can just kind of go down the list. Yep. And, like, of all the guys that play on those records, and you're like, this is great. This is great. This you guy's awesome. Yeah. There's so many people out there just doing different stuff and i mean that's one of the reasons i liked going to warwick i felt like you know bc rich is awesome and i still have a ton of i still have all my basses and guitars and i still love them and the mockingbird is probably still my favorite guitar bass of all time uh but it's a metal and rock company it's geared towards that like kind of look and vibe and aesthetic and i felt like warwick was like was like branching out into like the bass player world a little bit more for me and like going to their 
the base camp thing they had. Got to meet a lot of people that play a lot of different stuff and just being exposed to like other genres of music and the different bass players. And you just realize how many amazing talented people there are and just how different the styles and sounds can be with all the same instruments. Like you can put someone on my bass that I play right now and they can tweak it to their liking and they play it a little differently. And it's like a whole different animal. And it's kind of the same thing, you know, with what I do. It's like, I want to, it's like I'm always kind of working towards my own style and sound. And that's why I've always tried to listen to other stuff outside of just rock and metal, just to get that ideas and be a little bit more well-rounded with my playing. Um, Alex, our, our new drummer, I mean, I think that's been really an awesome thing for us is having a dude that, I mean, as a metal player, an extreme metal player, like he's, you know, second to none, but he's also so well-versed in like other styles of music. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily all apply to what we do, but like those little elements and flourishes can definitely like be added into what we do. And I love that someone that's capable of doing all these things, you know, is playing with us because it gives us so many more opportunities to like further the sound and get more unique and try something different. Totally, totally. There's a, I always say, you know, like there's certain like hard rock drummers that play really straight ahead or whatever, and then you have a hard rock drummer that like knows how to swing. Like it, it like you yeah. know that you know you hear those other influences that just can totally shape the way a song sounds. So that's cool. Totally, that's totally cool. Very cool. So I always like to ask, talk about something in these interviews other than music. And so I was kind of peeking around to see what you had to say. And I noticed on, on Twitter recently, you'd watch Ghostbusters 2 and Aliens 2. Oh, yeah. And you called them God-tier sequels. So you love these sequels. <laughs> these are two good ones. Oh, yeah. And it got me thinking. I was like, yes. man, I got to do like a podcast on sequels because I started running through things in my yeah. head. So what are those two of your favorite sequels? And why, why do you like them so much? I mean, definitely those, of course, Terminator 2, um, Godfather 2, of course. I think the thing with, like, a great sequel is that it takes a story and it doesn't just, like, rehash the same jokes or the same plot line. It furthers the story. It, like, expands it a lot more. I mean, Empire Strikes Back, of course. Oh, the, the best. best. Star Wars movie yeah. by far. But it's, it's that same thing is that it's like it it won up the original. And I mean, you think about that with like a band like a Metallica, you know, Ride the Lightning is such a great album. And then they like one up it with Master with Puppet. Master. It's, oh like, my it's God. got a lot of the same element. It's got the same elements as Ride the Lightning. It just furthers it. It expands upon it. It's not totally rehashing the same ideas and there's never a point where it feels like it's less than the previous record so i guess like that's how i look at with those movies it's like they i don't know they they further the story a lot more and um i I don't know that's very cool one of my favorite movies ever i love that movie so much wait what movie i missed that which one ghostbusters 2 (laughs) so good right It's, it's so good because it's like I don't know. There's not a lot of movies that like can like blend so many genres so well. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like movies now are so like, I don't know. 
I'm, I'm not really into the whole like universe of like every single movie that's made. Like there has to be like a connection to like 50 other movies. I know. Why? Um, Why? Yeah. I'm not, I'm you not get, like, some good stuff here and there. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not knocking the Marvel stuff because like there's some that are really good. Like the Captain America winter soldier was amazing. And then I also like, I, every time I see the Avengers, like I haven't seen, I don't know if I've, which one I'm on now, but like, I don't know. The, remember the last one I saw feeling just very like, okay, there's like too many things I'm like focusing <laughs> on. There's like too many characters. Yes. They're all like, it's like the fight scene, it, like is like never ending. I know. But don't you think that's like a symptom? Know, uh, that's a symptom of our culture now. Like we are all moving a thousand miles an hour and we're multitasking yeah. and doing too many things. Let's just take, let's just take it back to the Ghostbusters. Like, yeah. let's, let's take yeah, it back I to mean, the Ghostbusters. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of like the, like if, I don't know, like I'm definitely down for the idea of like some sequels and like I said, if it continues the story, but if it just feels like you're just getting the same like tricks every time, it just sort of starts to feel a little, I don't know. Yeah. You feel like fatigue from it. I mean, obviously the price tags of the movies, like they're raking in money. So some people are not feeling the same, but uh, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm always like looking for something new. Uh, there's this production company called A24 that keeps putting out awesome movies that are like a little bit more outside the box, but they're like giving them like wide releases. Like uh, they did that movie last year or two years ago, The Witch, which is awesome. Yes. Yep. Um, they have that movie Hereditary that I haven't seen yet, but oh god, hearing a lot, of, hearing a lot about that. Yeah, like I'm, I'm down for like all these type of like weird quirky horror movies indie movies that are just like outside the box and totally it's nice that there's it's nice that something's out there for the people that are like little fatigued with like avengers 15 or whatever like the mega know. blockbusters I, yeah yeah i'm feeling I'm like, a little of that fatigue i'll never get star yeah. star wars fatigue because i love star wars it's my favorite but i get a little yeah. fatigued with all the the um superhero stuff personally but yeah, it can be. Yeah, it can be a lot. There's a lot of stuff uh, yeah. to remember in a movie when there's like 50 characters. <laughs> cool. I know. I totally agree with you. So this was so cool talking with you. I hope Thank that you. I hope I get to see you at Heavy Montreal, and we'll, yeah. I'll, I'll look for you at um, at the dumpling station backstage. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. I'll be, be hitting up. That's probably where I'll be most of the day. I know, me too. Uh, me too, absolutely. So um, all of our Talking Metal listeners, make sure you check out Trivium on the road this fall and at some festivals this summer. And check out the album, which came out eight months ago. Everyone should be listening to it. Once again, it's called The Sin and the Sentence. Um, thanks so much, Paulo. Awesome. Come back on Talking Metal anytime and uh, hope to see you, you up in Montreal. Thank you. Have a good one. Take care. All right. Bye now.
That was In Waves by Trivium from 2011. Great stuff. Can imagine we'll probably be hearing that in the set at Heavy Montreal. I cannot wait for Heavy Montreal. It's going to be just crazy. So great. First night, of course, Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson will be uh, playing. The next night, you have Avenged Sevenfold and Trivium playing and and dozens and dozens of other bands so that's many the fun thing like yeah. i love how we always find new bands we always like discover a new band that we really dig you know so the key is like we need to figure out a way to get our interviews going so that we can actually see some of the bands on the side stages because yes. i really really want to I, I it's all about discovery at these festivals. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we hope to be there. We would really both like to be up there. Uh, it's not definite yet, but it's looking good. It looks like we'll be there. So we hope to see you guys at Heavy Montreal. On that note, we uh, had your recent interview with Matt McJunkins of A Perfect Circle uh, an episode or two ago, and you guys were talking about Def Leppard. We just had uh, Steve Brown on the show who's played with Def Leppard. I think we should end today's show with some should. Def Leppard. Yeah. I think we should. We just saw Def What are we going to do? Okay, amazing. what album? Do we want to debate this right now live well, on I the I think air? we should do something off of Hysteria since that's <gasps> what you and oh, Matt are talking yeah. about. It's a great record. It's a record. It took me a little time to learn to love. I didn't like oh, it when God. it first came out. And then, you know, I eventually just really, really you realize came to how appreciate good it. Was. it. When you see them play those songs live, oh, they're so good. It's just goosebumps. Yes. Are we playing Animal or Hysteria? Because uh, you can't play Love Bites. No. Yeah. And let's you do, definitely. Let's do the title track. Those are both two good. Hysteria is amazing. Yeah. Let's do Hysteria oh, here. Oh, so good. And we're gonna leave you until next time. And again, we're we're migrating over to this new platform, Talking Metal. It's called Art Nineteen. Let me know that your subscriptions and and you you know you're still getting the show okay if you're having any problems please let me know big thanks to brody now who just pledged ten dollars on patreon now wait i'm thinking brody are you bj's son because that would be pretty crazy if both father and son are supporting us on on patreon i'm fairly certain you are the skier brody is this is this the right brody you're you're in like you go to a special school for high school or something and and you ski (gasps) It's like a Hi, skiing Brody. high school. Yeah. I think. yeah. No, we heard about Brody. Yeah. He wasn't he one of the festivals we were at and we were gonna try to. He and was hunt gonna him go to M three, but but yeah, that but didn't, didn't yeah, I don't oh, think that worked out. But his dad's out. trying to hook up an interview for us right now cool. on the podcast. So hopefully that'll Hey that'll, dude that'll materialize if this is the, indeed the same Brody. Thank you for your support. Here is Hysteria by Def Leopard. Take care, guys. See you next time.
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.